Praise God. Reading tonight, very simple things. Mark chapter 8. Simple things because I'm a simple preacher. He becometh the Bethsaida. He cometh, and he cometh the Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And after that, he put his hands again. Everybody say again. He put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. You may be seated. What a very unique story that lies in the book of Mark chapter 8. A man that is blind is brought before Jesus and the Bible said they besought him to touch him. They knew that if Jesus Christ could touch this man that something would be different in his life. I submit to you on this Wednesday evening, now they didn't know what I was going to preach, but if, if the Holy Ghost can touch us, things will forever be different in your life. I don't believe you can get a touch from God and stay the same. Does anybody believe that? I don't believe you can stay the same when God truly touches your life. I've seen people that claim to have a touch of God. They never quit sinning. They never quit lying. They never quit cheating. They never quit stealing. They never quit committing adultery. They never quit whatever they were doing. When God changes you, when God touches you, something is about to change in your life. But here, here is a man, and uh, I'm going to give you my text in a minute, but I just want to lay a little foundation. I don't know how long he's been blind, uh, but, but they brought him to the Lord. And the Lord touched him and said, do you see? And this is, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is what the man said. He said, I see men as trees. In other words, I'm not seeing real clear right now. But I do see, I see some things, but I, I see men as trees walking. And the Bible said after that, the Lord put his hands upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored. God, wrapped up in flesh, put his hands on the eyes of a man and said, look up, and the Bible said he was restored. I want you to see what it said. And the Bible said he saw every man clearly, and he sent him away. So, the value of good eyes is, is important. But just our eyes are not as important as our spiritual eyes. And tonight I want to preach for the next little while about looking through the eyes of Jesus. Looking through the eyes of Jesus. I, I went to the eye doctor this week. I... Uh, they scared me to death. Some people, Toby, he's Toby's a, a, a an internet doctor, 
Is that right, Bethany? I'm telling the truth. Toby's in there. And I tell him what's wrong with you. And he goes and searches all this up. First thing you know, you got all kind of stuff. I'm picking on him a little bit. But I, I, the last few weeks, I, when I looked to the right and then looked back, all of a sudden there was a flash of light. It was like lightning. A couple times I thought it was lightning. And I thought, well, it ain't raining. And uh, I suddenly realized that it was something wrong with my eye. So I called Toby, and he already had me in surgery and uh, had my eye going out. And, no, <laughs> you okay back there, Toby? <laughs> but uh, so I, I did go to the eye doctor. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, it wasn't hopefully nothing real serious, just old age. But other than that, I'm going to be okay. But I realized again the value of good eyes. You know, uh, Jay, you'll testify to this. It's the value of good eyes. Jay's been through quite a turmoil in his life. We pray for him, and you know what? It's better. God ain't through with you yet, is he, Jay? That's a man of faith right there. So the value of good, and, and you know, when we get old, our eyes get dim, and, and a lot of things happen to us that we don't understand, but what a blessing to have good eyes, and I can testify to that. Jay will tell you the same thing. But, but here, here we have a problem with first impressions because here's what happens. When God laid his hand on that man first time, he didn't get everything he needed. It took a second time. Let me tell you something today. Let me tell you something. If you are persistent with God, you will get what you need from God. And if you don't get it all on Sunday, you ought to get it all on Monday. Amen? Because he can fix it where you can see clearly. Somebody shout amen. There's a, there, there's a lot of things about this story that I could preach, but I, I want to just I want to go to my point. And that is this, when the Lord touched him again, the Lord made him see clearly. He walked away from there with 20-20 vision. He walked away from there like he had never been perhaps in his life. And now he was healed. Here's my message to you tonight. If we could just go to Jesus and the Lord could touch our eyes and let us see like he sees. There's some things I want to see like the Lord sees, and I'm going to preach a little bit about them tonight. I want to see like he sees. One thing, I want to see myself the way God sees me. Another thing, I want to see the church the way God sees the church. And I want to see the world the way the Lord sees the world. Can you say amen? So I'm preaching to you on this Wednesday night that if God would anoint our eyes and touch us to where we could see spiritually the things that we ought to see, because let me tell you, it is the devil's business to bring, bring blindness to our world. I'm not talking about blindness of the physical man. I'm talking about blindness spiritually. He don't want you to see the things of God. He don't want you to see like the Lord wants you to see. But I'll tell you what the Lord told Laodicea. You need to have your eyes anointed with eyesight. There's a vision that I want you to have that the world doesn't want you to have. Is anybody with me on this Wednesday night? God wants us to be able to see what he sees. Myself. Now, I'm going to be honest. you got to be honest, too. We don't always like what we see when we look in the mirror. It ought to be everybody in this room ought to say amen. Because you know what? Things happen to us, and we say, 
you know, how'd I get here? Amen? All of a sudden, I ain't got much hair. What ain't turned gray's turned loose. Not real fun anymore. And, and, and you know, there's, there's, there's bulges and droops and stuff. <laughs> Y'all don't look at me like that. I'm in the same boat. I know where you're at. You might as well say amen, but it's, it's really the way it is. When we look, we don't, but, but I'll tell you what the Bible said, no man ever yet hated himself. Didn't make you hate yourself, made you want to do better, made you want to fix some stuff. But let me tell you what the Bible said, nobody ever hated himself. And let me tell you, if we're not careful, we can, in our spiritual eyesight, we can see wrong and, 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 and judge ourselves wrong. Here's what I do know. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 said, For I say, through the grace given unto me, this is Paul writing, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. In another place, the Bible tells us to not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think because God, he knows how to take us down. He knows how to fix that and humble us. Amen. And he giveth grace to the humble, but he resists proud people. So what I'm thinking of tonight and what I'm preaching tonight is that if we could just get in a spiritual mirror and see what God sees about us. You see, Laodicea was, they were blind. They were blind. The Bible said when they looked at themselves, they said we are rich and we are increased with goods and we have need of nothing. We're, we're, we're doing pretty good here. Come on now. But when the Lord looked at them, he got a different take. His picture wasn't the same one that they had of themselves because he said, ah, you are blind and you are wretched and you are naked and you are poor. Did he say that? He said, you're not Luke. He said, you're not hot and you're not cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Come on, I'm preaching. That's found in Revelation chapter 3. You go look it up. I'm not quoting it verbatim, but I'm telling you what the book says. He said, I don't see the same thing you see. I'm not looking at the same people you're looking at. You're looking at something entirely different. I just say tonight that I want to see myself through the eyes of the Lord. Sometime I look at myself and I want to pat myself on the back and I want to think, boy, what a good guy you are. And you're not doing so bad. You're doing better than most people, but you cannot judge yourself by somebody else. The Bible said if we judge ourselves by ourselves, we are fools. I can't say because Jimmy Williams is, is, is doing this, I'm doing this, I'm better. I can't say because Nicky Giddens or Ronnie. I can't say that. You know what I got to say? Oh, God, open my eyes. Anoint my eyes with eyesight. Let the Holy Ghost come upon me and let me see what I really am. Because when you see yourself through the eyes of Jesus, it will be totally different. Totally different. Let me give you a few scriptures right quick. Write them down. Take them home with you. Put them in your Bible. Do something with them. Proverbs 5.21 said, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. 
Proverbs 15, 3 said, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Everybody still with me? Proverbs 16, 2 said, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Proverbs 21, 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. Do you get where I'm coming from tonight? We may make ourselves look good and we may think we are good because we sometimes see through the eyes of carnality and we see ourselves as being successful and we say, we pray a little bit and we think we've done God a favor. We come to church, we pay our tithes and, and we, we're, we're here when nobody, look here, I'm here, nobody else is here. I'm here and so-and-so's not here. I must be really doing good. Don't judge yourself by that. Let me tell you what we're all going to be judged by individually. It's not going to be by me or by you. It's going to be by the book of God and when we stand before him and the books are open this is what we got to answer for so my question to you is how are you looking in the eyes of the Lord how about your consecration how about your commitment how about your dedication how about your love for God I could preach about a lot of things tonight but I will just tell you this when you think you're right Lord is the Lord is looking at your spirit when you think you're right the Lord is looking at the heart, he knows the attitude, the spirit. He knows where you are, and he knows what you are. And I'm preaching to you on this Wednesday night. We need to back up and say, Lord, let me see myself through your eyes. Hallelujah. And if I could see the church through the eyes of God, the church wonder if we are really what God intended for us to be. If we are the church with the purpose of God, not just a group of people, an organization, a little society within ourselves, not just a building or a house to go to that we call worship talking about the church. The church is bigger than this building and this city and this parish and this state. The church is from the four corners of this world, and God has a bride in this earth. But I'm wondering on this evening if we see the church the way God sees the church. Some people like to come to church just to soothe their conscience. Some people come to church because they don't want the preacher mad. If that's the only way you're coming, you might as well went to Waffle House tonight. I know it's quiet, but I don't care. Here's the, here's the deal. The church is more than materialism. The church is more than wealth. The church has to be a soul-saving station. 
The church has to be a hospital for the lost and the sick and the lonely and the hurting. The church is a place where we wrap our arms around people and drag them out of a world. Look, the cross was all about the church. Jesus coming to the earth was all about the church. Acts chapter 2 was all about the church. The church is God's greatest idea in the earth. The church is not an afterthought of God. It is the apex. It is the zenith. It is the everything to God. He gave his blood for the church. He bought us with his own blood. We are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but you are bought with the precious blood of Jesus. If you want to know what he looks at at the church or how he looks at the church, you need to get in the spirit and say, Lord, let me see the church through your eyes. Let me tell you, it's the greatest thing in my life. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. It's the greatest place I could ever go. It's the greatest bunch of people that I could ever be associated with. It is everybody perfect. No, that wasn't in Jesus' day. And they're not in our day, Jesus. Jesus told chose 12 and they weren't even perfect but I'll tell you who is perfect he who is the author and the finisher of my faith and it's his church it's not my church it's his church he bought it with his own blood hallelujah somebody ought to shout hallelujah the church has got, we got to see the church through the eyes of the Lord. Or is the church what God intended to be? Sometimes I worry about church just becoming a fellowship. I worry about just becoming a club. It's like the Lions Club or the Kiwanis Club. It can't just become a club. It can't, look, I love you and I love to fellowship with you. But the greatest work of the church is saving people, getting people to Calvary, getting them washed in the blood, get them full of the Holy Ghost. Let the power of God reign in this church. I want a church like Jesus wants. I don't know about you. Hallelujah. The bottom line is, is we got to be about saving the lost, healing the sick, helping those who are in need. That's the ministry of the church. Jesus came and he wasn't popular until he started performing miracles and then they came out of everywhere. And he'd draw a crowd and he'd preach one sermon, Brother Hodge, and run them all off. Yes, sir. You go read it. You go check it out. He'd have thousands around. All of a sudden, he'd preach one sermon and they'd all be gone. Matter of fact, he'd look at his disciples one time. He said, are you leaving too? They said, Lord, we don't have anywhere to go. He said, are you here just for the loaves and fishes too? Go read the Bible. They all left. They got the loaves and the fishes. He performed a miracle, fed them all, and they all left. He said, are you here just for the loaves and the fishes too? Here's my question to you. What about the church in your eyes? What is it all about? Is it just a place where you got friendship and friends and you can come on Sunday and Wednesday and just go through the motions? Or is the church really valuable to you? What does it mean in your life? How do you look at the church? I'll tell you, I got a value of the church in my life. I got it many years ago. I was raised around this church and around the church. And I, I believe in the church. But, but when, when my daughter had a wreck, I will never forget it as long as I live, a, a three-wheeler wreck. And, and uh, 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 the girl that was driving ran over the tongue of a, of a mobile home. And it took her leg and crushed it and broke it. And the bone was sticking out in two or three places. And when I finally got to the hospital, the doctor walked out and he said, he said, 
I, I don't know if we can save her leg. He said that leg, you know, it's got dirt in it. He said we, it may come to amputating her leg. He said we're not even going to close it up. We've cleaned it the best we can. But it's going to take several surgeries for her leg. That's Crystal, the one that sings right up here. And, 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 and we were devastated. But let me tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't an hour, was it, early? It wasn't an hour because people started hearing, here come old brother G.A. Mangan. Here come, here come my dad from Monroe. Here come preachers. Here come saints. Here come almost my whole church. Y'all know how it is in the hospital, Beverly. When we were up there with you, they wanted to run us all out of there because the church suddenly becomes valuable. You know why? It's not people that know how to drink and how to party and how to curse and how to go to bed with one another. I tell you what it is. It's people that know how to pray and how to love God and how to get into business. My value of the church went way up because all of a sudden the church started to pray. And when the church started to pray, it wasn't but a day or so till they closed her leg up and the doctor said, everything's okay. Thanks be to God for the church. Where would I be without the church? The value of the church. Where would I be without the church? I know, I know. Some of you don't understand, don't realize. Let me tell you, I'd, have, I'd rather have people that know how to pray in my life than anything I can think about right now. I'd rather have people that know how to get a hold of God in my life, people that know how to take me before the throne of God. I'll tell you, I, 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 I'm going to say this tonight. I, I've lived on some precious and powerful prayers and prayer warriors in my time. My mother, she prays for me all the time, and I know that there are others that do. But I got up Sunday morning thinking about about a man and I miss his prayers. His name's Todd Oglethorpe. I'd walk in his room, so help me God, I never prayed for him one time. But I laid my hand on him and say, Brother Todd, I'm going to pray. Lord, would you touch Brother Todd? He wouldn't pray for himself. He'd say, God, bless my pastor. God, give him wisdom. God, give him help. Let the Holy Ghost be on him. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And I'll tell you what he did. He prayed for me every day of his life. I miss him. But I tell you, God's got others, and God's raising up others, and the church is still valuable to me. I don't know what I'd be or where I'd be without the church. I want to get the church in my eyes like it is in the eyes of God. When you get married, you get a bride, and you love your bride. Let me tell you what else you do. You love your body. I don't care if it's 100 pounds overweight or so skinny you can't walk. You love your body. If you say you don't, the Bible said, I didn't say, the Bible said, you say you don't love yourself, you're a liar. Well, let me tell you what he called the church. The body. The church is my body. He said the church is my pride. He is the bridegroom. The church is my bride. So here's the question. How does God look at us? With love, intimate love, with desire. He wants to wrap us up in his arms. He wants to protect us. He wants to take care of us. We are his church, his body, his bride. Somebody said amen. Why don't you get the vision of God about the church? <clears throat> Some people undervalue the church. They don't think it's very important. Some people think it doesn't hurt. You know, the church is not a great part of your life. 
as long as I'm breathing, church will be a vital part of my life. Does anybody feel that way? As long as I got breath in my body, the church is going to be a valuable part of my life. Because I want to get a glimpse tonight of what the church means to him so that I can know what it ought to mean to me. Number three, how does the Lord view the world? Is God pleased? Somebody put a sign <clears throat> that somebody had, had marched with a few days ago. And I don't know where this guy is or who he is, but God helped him. Because it wasn't nothing about nothing. It was just about Jesus. And it said, if Jesus was here again, we'd crucify him again. Or we'd kill him too. Something to that effect. And I'm thinking, sir, you don't even have a clue. You don't have a clue. Because let me tell you what the Lord's doing. He's looking at our world with tears in his eyes. And he loves every one of us. He loves every person. I want you to hear me tonight. He loves every person on the face of this earth. He loves every man in Angola. He loves every woman in St. Gabriel. He loves every prisoner, every drunk, every drug addict, every Christian, every non-Christian. The Bible didn't say, for God so loved the Pentecostals. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves the world. He, he sat on a hill and looked over Jerusalem and wept over them and said, oh, Jerusalem, not old Jews, not old Simon Peter or old Apostle Paul, oh, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you together? The Bible said when Jesus saw the multitude, you go read it for yourself, the Bible said he had compassion upon them. Jesus sees the world. He doesn't see men as trees. He sees clearly, and he wants us to see clearly. The Bible said in his earthly ministry, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. It wasn't his followers. It was just people that he knew were the world. In Matthew 14, 14, the Bible said Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. He loved them no matter who they were. He loved them. God's not worried about your political affiliation. God's not worried about the color of your skin. He's not worried about your height or your or your body and how you look. He's worried about your soul. He loves you because you are a ever living, never dying soul. And I have to see the world that way. That's why Mark 6 said, Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion because they were sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. That's in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. See, Jesus saw people in a different light than what the rest of the world saw them. Could I just give you a couple of examples real quick? Because when he came into the world, 
I mean, there was a lot of prejudice between Jews and Gentiles and Samaritans and all that stuff, religious sects and Pharisees and Sadducees and all the stuff that went on in his day. You know, we're not the only world that's ever had trouble. Every world has had trouble, in case you didn't know that. Just all different in different ways, but, but there's a lot of trouble, but Jesus he came right into his world, and he loved them anyway. And he looked at people different. He looked at Zacchaeus. Everybody saw Zacchaeus as, as, a, as a crook. Bible said that Zacchaeus admitted to God that he had stole from, from a lot of people. And they looked at him as an old crook and didn't want to be around him. But Jesus stopped on the road to, to Jericho and stopped, looked up in a tree, and said, Come here. Today, I'm going home with you. It was a life-changing experience for Zacchaeus. Amen? Can you see the crowd? All they saw was a guy that had took their money, a guy that was a, a thief, a guy that was a crook, a guy that was dishonest. Can you hear the whispers in the crowd? But Jesus looks at the world different from what the crowd looks at the world. He saw a man that deep down inside he could get his life straightened out. And so he went home. And you know what the Bible said? Zacchaeus, when he started confessing to God, he said, Lord, I, I, I want to give everything back to every man I've stole from fourfold. I want to give four times back what I've stole from them. I tell you, there were some happy people in that crowd then. Am I right? But the facts are, he saw Zacchaeus like nobody else saw him. What, what the world saw of Peter and Andrew were old burly fishermen that didn't have sense to get out of the rain, and all they knew to do was fish for a living. But not Jesus. He saw them as disciples. He saw Peter as a man that could have the keys to the kingdom of heaven and become a powerful minister and preacher of the gospel. Should I tell you today that he sees the world different from what you see the world? Everybody saw Matthew as an old tax collector. Matthew, just another thief, just another guy that wants to take our money. We don't like tax collectors, but I'll tell you what Jesus saw. He saw another disciple. He saw one that would follow him, that would leave the tables and go with him. He saw a woman with an issue of blood, and everybody else looked at her one way, but Jesus looked at her different. He saw a woman healed, a worshiper. He saw somebody that needed him. There was one that came in the book of John chapter 8 that everybody looked at her and called her an adulterer but Jesus just said come here and he started talking to, to, to her and said woman woman where are thine accusers after he bent down and rode in the dirt and they all got convicted and walked off and dropped their stones they saw her as a sinner and somebody that didn't deserve to live they were ready to stone her Jesus all he would have had to do was give the word but Jesus saw her different. He saw past her adultery. He saw past her sin. And he said, woman, where are thine accusers? She said, Lord, they're all gone. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He saw Paul. Saul it was to start with. And Saul was a hater of the church and a destroyer of Christianity and, and done everything he could to stop the church. But the Lord saw something different. Are you hearing me now? God looks into the world and people, you don't think are worth 15 cents. God has value on them and he brings them into the kingdom of God because he sees the world different from what you see the world. 
Hallelujah. My Lord. Just let me see, God. Just let me see myself. I dare you. We used to say when I was kids, I know this on the internet. Please pardon me, all of you. It's watching. We used to say when I was kids, Jesse, I double dog dare you. What a night I double dog dare you, whatever that means. To go get in a closet of prayer and say, God, let me see myself through your eyes. Let me see this church through your eyes. Let me see the world through your eyes. Because when he touches your eyes, you will not see men as trees. You will start seeing clearly. Clearly. Does anybody in this room tonight feel my heartbeat when I tell you what we need more than anything else is an anointing of God upon our spiritual eyes to see the things that God sees in us. Look, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know why God chose me. Have you ever wondered why God chose you? Why God pulled you out? Why God had such mercy on you? People from all walks of life in this building, even right now, all kind of religious backgrounds, all kind of sin and degradation in your life, things that you did and things that you were sure not proud of tonight. But God was merciful enough to reach down. Let me tell you why he did that, because he didn't see you like everybody else sees you. He saw you not for what you are, but for what you could be. He saw you. He saw you. So, Lord... On this Wednesday night, just let me see me like you see me. Now, here I am. I'm not the perfect man, I know that. I asked the Lord today in my office in prayer. I said, Lord, would you look to the deepest corners of my soul? I don't want any attitudes left undealt with. I don't want any spirits rising up in me that are not of God. I want a heart full of forgiveness. I don't want any schism in, in me, any division. I don't want anything. God, I don't want to hate anybody. I don't even want to dislike anybody, although it's very hard sometimes. You know I'm telling you the truth. But I don't, I don't want to have that. I don't want to have a bad spirit. The Bible said the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. Go study that scripture. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. God wants to shine through you. And I, and I ask the Lord, look deep into me. Take everything out of me, Lord, that is not like you. I want to be like you. And when I get there, I can look through the eyes of the Lord and say, you're okay. It's okay. I want to see the church the same way, Lord. I'm telling you, listen to me. We lose vision in the church. We lose vision. We forget what we're here for. We forget. It's more than just a job in the church and coming and occupying a pew and paying your tithes and being a member. It's more than that. When God saved you, he saved you to save others. His business is saving people. It's not entertainment. Let me say that again. It's not about entertainment. He doesn't owe it to us to entertain us when we come to church. But it's about reaching into the heart of people and pulling every soul out of the fire.
and letting them enjoy the presence of God forever. That's what the church is all about. The final destination of the church is to live somewhere in the great beyond with the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever and ever and ever. Let me see the world, Lord. Sometimes the world is crazy, but God loves crazy people. How could God love them? Let me tell you who God loves. He loves that old boy that had that sign I saw that was walking down the street because really, you know what? He don't know any better. He just don't know any better. And so the Lord says, I love you. If you don't think he loves people like that, you know what he did? He looked down at the very people that put nails in his hand and his feet, and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They know not what they do. Forgive them. Stand in this room with me. Looking through the eyes of Jesus. Look at yourself. Look at the church. Look at the world. And then, when you've done that, go have a good talk with the Lord. Spend some time with God. And if there's any flawed vision, if there's any doubt, just ask God to anoint your eyes with the eye salve of the Spirit. Let the Lord do a work on you. Amen. Put your hands up all over this room. Let's ask God to touch us, Lord Jesus. We need you today. We need the hand of God on our eyes. Help us to see clearly, Lord. Help us to see the things you see. Help me to see myself like you see me, Lord. Help me to see this church the way you see it, Lord. Help me to see this world the way you see it. God, take everything out of us, Lord, that is unlike you. Don't let us see men as trees. God, if we're just touched one time and we see men as trees, touch us again. Help us to look up that we may see what you're trying to show us. We want to see clearly, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Flawed vision. Flawed vision is when you see men as trees. But a pure vision is when you see men like God sees them. Clearly. I love you tonight. 7.59. I'm right on time. Thank you for being here. I love this church. I love every one of you. I beg you in Jesus' name, please be safe and be careful. Come back Sunday. We're going to worship God together. Social distance. Stay away. When I dismiss, the offering will be taken at the back doors tonight. You can drop your offering ties there. If you're watching by Internet, you can give on our website, clcmonroe.org, and you can go there and give, or you can dial 318-301-3601. Text that number and text give. Put in the word give. It'll ask you how much, and you just put in how much. You've given to the church. Or if you don't want to do it any other way, just send a check. 6680 Frontage Road. Don't send cash. Somebody might take it. I love you. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful and beautiful week. I'll see you Sunday in the house of God. Keep the Sandifers and the Duprees in your prayers. God bless you.